Hi everyone, this is Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon. And I'm Timothy. And we have a guest today. Patience. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Patience. Hi. Uh, <laughs> so Cinema Pill is a film podcast. We talk about cinema from Uganda, Africa, worldwide. And we're always lucky that we get to talk to Ugandan filmmakers. And today we have Patience Nitumwesika, who is a fantastic filmmaker. Yeah. Um, yes. I would like for you to, to introduce yourself and tell us the work you've done, even one that's not involving film. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's so hard for me to talk about myself. <laughs> I almost told you, like, don't ask me about that because I'm terrible at it. But uh, I like to introduce myself as uh, an African who comes from a place called Boeju. And it's interesting for me to say that I'm from Boeju because it's a place of, like, rebel people who came from southern africa and then they came and settled in a place that was called mpororo <laughs> and then they were like we don't like the leadership here and they tried to change it and things didn't work and then they left mm-hmm. and settled in the mountains <laughs> so I, I like to call myself that because i i feel like it informs who i am and the kind of stories that i tell yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> great <laughs> yeah. uh yeah you have done films you have also done theater um, is there any other art form you've doubled in? I have a podcast hey. called Mbaganire. Okay. It's, uh, it's dedicated okay. to African folk tales. Okay. And the idea is to sort of re, re, um, like reintroduce the idea of like the fireplace tradition of oral storytelling. Um, also because my dad tells a lot of stories. Uh-huh. So I always feel like when older people pass, because I don't have any living grandparent, and I feel like it's sad because I'm only 33, (laughs) and I don't have a living grandparent, so if my kids are going to be 33 and they don't have grandparents, there's so many gaps between me and my parents, things they would never learn from me. So I feel like, you know, it's a chance to like tell some of those stories, tap into some older people's knowledge, so yeah. That's what Mbaganira is about. I know, Mm -hmm. great plug, podcast to podcast. Really great. I think I actually saw, I I was in a place where I was trying to remember where I'd seen a folklore podcast and I think it was yours because uh, we have I have a friend who's doing a lot of artwork in folklore so definitely listen to that listen to Mbaganira, I'll link it in the description so people can check it out. Um... So films, um, I think start off by ask with the filmmaking journey really. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think me and Patience, uh, I first met her actually in a screenwriting lab. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to get projects off the ground and yeah, um, I think getting into your films, you've done, I've, I've watched three of your short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one being Communion, the other one being Django and Heaven Sounds Boring. So yeah, um, just wanted to get into what was uh, the process uh, behind these movies. Maybe we could start with communion, and you could maybe just give us a bit of a brief, like a brief description of it. And yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what do I say about communion? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so long ago. It feels yeah. like so long ago, though it's just 2018 yeah. when I did it. Yeah. But um, generally, with all my stories, it's like um, I have a weird connection with my stories it's like they haunt me until i'm done with them and then once i'm done it's like yeah. i forget about them in a way yeah. and i let them go so communion was um it was short it was it was a way of you know 
when did we meet in in uh, um, Malaysia? 2016. Yeah, so I did that in 2018, and because I had worked on so many people's projects, and I was like, I'm not ready yeah. to like tell my own stories until communion i was like maybe i can actually do this it was a way of proving to myself like okay i can do this but also it was a story that had been it was bigger in my head yeah. before but i didn't have money so i was like how can i simplify this story that's been growing in my head for so long about this struggling person it was about grief and mental health um and I had gone through three years of my dad being hospitalized yeah. with, um, and during that hospitalization, he got a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. and it was so hard to watch because many people wanted to treat him like, oh, you know, he doesn't have a brain right now, but I, I always felt like maybe he's there, like part of him is there and he's watching us and he's like, huh, when I'm better, I'm gonna be watching all of you mm-hmm. said bad things, <laughs> so. I think it taught me a little bit of empathy for people who have mental health challenges. And my dad did recover, you know, better than we expected. He made a full recovery. But as a person, I kept thinking like, as a person who struggles a lot, especially as an artist in Uganda, you go through a lot, you're trying to get on your feet and it doesn't work. So it was like that meeting point between a struggling artist Mm -hmm. and also watching a loved one almost go. And then, like, so many pressures that come. And then being a woman also, like, being a woman that's told you have to to look perfect. You cannot break down. Yeah. You cannot let things, you know, um, scatter. So it was, it was very personal to me yeah. at that time. And, yeah. Sometimes people shock me by feeling those things when they watch the film. Yeah. And sometimes people get other different things. No, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I... I like I like the I like that short film very much, and I feel like the way you play, as you said again, it's about mental health. The way you play around with the characters' actual reality and their mm-hmm. perceived reality, and the way you like drift in and out of it, mm-hmm. I felt that was very powerful, especially for a short film where we see a lot of short films just having plots where the character has to get from point A to point B mm-hmm. and this one you're kind of like delving into the psyche of a person who was dealing with this so I felt in that way it was a very rich short film thank you but also in terms of reality I feel like like who who determines what reality is real yeah. you know like we, we all have, live in like different yeah. realities yeah. and even as a person I feel like the reason I don't have many friends is because I live in my head a lot and so my <laughs> characters are like also reality yeah. and so I, I was drawn to this character who lives in their head yeah. and and so much happens in there yeah. you know that as normal people we look at them and we're like you're insane yeah. but who says that you know what if in that you know it's a good reality for them to, to yeah. feel at peace so, yeah um, I think I would like to really talk about a film that was by far my favorite at last year's Galabi, which was Heaven Sounds Boring. Mm-hmm. I love that film so much. Thank and you. beyond the story, which is heartbreaking and really great, the visuals, like what it looks like, it mm-hmm. really makes you remember how visual film can be and the colors you chose to use. Use purple and yellow so much. And the scenery when you change mm-hmm. location to the water and the trees. That was so phenomenal. I want to know about the story inspiration, but can you start with the visual inspiration? Um, You know, I think 
to date, um, I had the best team on Heaven Sounds Boring that I've worked with. And it was the time when I discovered people. Mm. Um, when I did communion, I was still like, mm. I stole most of the people from Ascari from this <laughs> film. <laughs> I did. I stole his yeah. DP, yeah. Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. I stole Josh, yeah. um, Ali Bet. Yeah. I oh, stole. Yeah. You've so, used him so much. <laughs> with all your credits. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, with Heaven Sounds Boring, I didn't have any money first of all mm-hmm. and I just approached all these people that I had worked with some of them I had just done a commercial project that really didn't mean anything that I don't ever want to mention when people <laughs> mention it I'm like uh, we did it for the money yeah. and they had gotten paid well so I told them now I don't have money but they were like yeah we'll do it so I had so much creative energy in the space like we had so many people that were coming together and when i told them the vision which is like my dream my ideal is when you tell people something and and that's what i love about film the fact that it can grow from every person who participates from the script everybody starts breathing life into it so i had um so many people who had who, who were just coming in and we had time because we didn't have money we didn't want to make mistakes nice. so we're like let's take time and do this right so we you know we started i talked to them about you know what i had in mind they presented their you know i presentations for different departments um we talked about colors so much ali was so happy ali told me like okay so first of all i went to ali asking only for him to be a dp and I was like, no, I can offer more. I can, you know, we can do post-production for you. I was like, okay, that sounds cool. Um, so it made me have more, because I was going to use my personal savings. So I was like, if Ali takes over post-production, mm-hmm. I can do more with production. Nice. I was like, okay, let's get painters. And also because I was working with my house. So I was like, oh, yeah? I got colleagues. I was like, uh-huh, we're, pa- we're working with these colors. So we're going to repaint everything. We... Oh. I got some. Still that color? <laughs> I left. <laughs> it was a rented house, oh and now I've moved into you know my my own place, a smaller place. But you know, yeah, we left it in that same color. So I got people that I also stole from your set. Uh, somebody called Alan Mwanja and yes, Isma. Yeah, so they yeah. came and repainted everything, uh, the colors we wanted. I had uh, one of my sisters had just uh, left YMCA. Mm-hmm. She had done some art there. And I was like, you wanted to prove yourself. This is your chance. And I think she was like so eager to prove herself. She actually really over... She outdid herself, you <laughs> yeah. know. She was like, okay, I have this idea, I have this. And, you know, we're like approving and... As opposed to like a lot of times here, you're always like, I don't have enough ideas. Oh my God. Yes. And here I was saying like, okay, no, this won't work. This will work. It was like really, (laughs) really ideal. And we had, you know, people doing costumes. Everybody really, really did their best. I I was so happy. Um, I remember somebody came to the set to visit and and they were like, so uh, on, you know, from 10, one to a hundred, I was like, this is the only time I'm going to say 70% happy. Because I really felt like everybody had done their best. Um, we talked about everything. We sat down with Ali short by short and talked. Mm-hmm. I think also because it was a short film, yeah. we could have that luxury of of just going over the whole script and talking about everything, how it looks. It was so intentional. Yeah. yeah. And then the outside set, was that also near your home? Yeah, so it's we shot that at Zika Forest, oh. which is near it's in, in, in Tervin, it's, yeah. Towards, uh, yes, so, it's yeah. in Kisubi. Yeah. So it's like near Kis- University of Kisubi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was uh I, I had a different I- 
I had many ideas about like some places, but Zika Forest, because it's near us and we had gone there and I had taken Nadia there and she liked it. So I, I wanted to shoot in places that she was familiar with. I didn't want to throw her off entirely. So I'd taken her there. She loved the place. So I, I wanted to shoot there where she should be like, oh, I know that. I know that. And then the only new thing would be the film. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm. Can uh, I first, um, I want to speak on behalf of our third host, who yeah. is right behind <laughs> <that camera. laughs> And uh, he had some really interesting questions for you in regards to Django, which is your third short film. Come and ask <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, was, he wanted to know about how it was shifting from the tonally and, and on gen- in genre mm-hmm. because the first two films are really emotional and dramatic and then mm-hmm. Django is more of a thriller. Mm-hmm. So uh, how was that, diving into that? <sighs> it's a long journey. <laughs> but uh, one, it, it's a risk I had to take. Uh, but two, it's uh, my f- my the feature that I first wrote in 2016, which is like long way in development, is a thriller. And how I came even ab- ab- about the actors for Django is I've always been uh, looking for actors for that film because it centers young people, a gang of five young people that are like committing revenge crimes, right? And I've, I've looked around for people, like I'm always casting in my head. I see somebody, I, the only reason I watch like some of these shows on um, Showmax yeah. is to just see somebody that I like. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I want that person, you know, because I always go for the person that I want. And so the first person I saw was Tanya and I was like, I want this girl for this film. You know, I saw, I met her audition tape somewhere. I was like, hmm. Now, that was before Django came to be. So mm-hmm. I had like these actors on my shelf, yeah. keeping them for a feature. And then this idea came, you know, um, about and I was like, okay, it was like I told you, stories haunt me sometimes. And it's been haunting me for a while. I was like, okay, I need to tell this story, but not now, not now. You know, I'd been silencing it and saying like, and I had told myself, I don't want to do shorts anymore. I'm done, you yeah. know. And then it came around and I was like, okay, what does it have? Let's just do it. And and when we finally did, it was actually a, a very hard journey of like doing everything. But I was so glad that we did because I've, I learned so much like for the next films that I'm working on, there's a few lessons that I really needed to have learned mm-hmm. um, through the making of Django. Mm-hmm. And also because my feature films uh, that, that are coming... They're also different. Okay. And I feel like I don't want to, to tie myself to, into, you know, one little box, box yeah. which is like the points in communion, you know, <laughs> really. Like, I want to be to be free to, to try different things. Of course, there are stories that I think I'm not, like, good at telling. I'm not really good at, like, nice, feel-good popcorn movies. <laughs> like, I want my heart there. Yeah. I, want, I want to leave my heart on the table yeah. with each film, you know, so I can't run away f- from that. Yeah. Great. Um, one more thing. Uh, <laughs> he also wanted to ask about um, there's a scene in the film in Django when mm-hmm. they're coming from the club mm-hmm. and then they get a ride and the car is zooming on the road. It mm-hmm. looks 
so it looks like animation. We wanted to know like what was that? What how did you uh, get that to no. happen? So we got the guy who does the drone shots. Okay. We got the shot, but then it was too slow. <laughs> oh. And I told Ali, this is too slow. So what we did, um we asked Josh if he could speed it up. Yeah. So I think during the process of speeding it up um yeah it ended it up looking really, like really that cool yeah. and i like the colors too especially when they're with meeting the witch doctor that mm. was really phenomenal yeah the witch you know the 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 person who plays the witch is also the person who does the set design oh. so um he's called guy and i think he underperformed actually he's usually mm. very very good mm. and we had bigger plans but in the end we were like okay it's good it's not an overproduced film okay. so let's stay with that okay. um but he's really good ideally we had wanted to use paint we wanted to paint the rooms red we wanted to you know um paint them the other colors the the greens that we wanted mm-hmm. and then we didn't have enough time mm-hmm. so he suggested why don't we use curtains Oh. And we were like, okay, so we went to town, we bought red curtains, mm-hmm. we bought red candles and we yeah, we tried to work with that. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as still uh, still on the short films. Mm-hmm. Um I feel I feel we may have uh, started over like a bit of like the plot details because I yes, feel definitely. Like I was like I was even noting it down that we'll have to describe <laughs> yeah. what the, yeah, the because, plot is. Yeah, but mm. you're just now getting into this say uh, heaven sounds boring because again this is a story about a father who's trying to deal with like the his daughter being sick and she's mm-hmm. terminally ill, she's going to pass away, he knows it, but mm-hmm. he's still trying to make the I think the last few days of her life worth it. Yes. Yeah, and I feel like again, you the way you work with actors I feel mm-hmm. is also very impressive because the chemistry between the uh, the father who was Daniel O'Mara mm-hmm. and the young girl, uh, I think Nadia. Yes. Nadia. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel there was a lot of chemistry there and it felt like a very real mm-hmm. relationship. So yeah. how do you It was very real. We we invested in that relationship so much. We spent all of Jan 2020 basically going to restaurants, buying ice cream, and making sure that Omara and Nadia are getting along. We, you know, at first, first of all, she was struggling with speaking Lango because she was at that uh, that age in school where they tell her, "Don't speak your mother tongue," blah blah blah. And she once asked me like, "Why do you want me to speak my mother tongue?" You know. Um, it's not your language. Why yeah. do you care about it? I yeah. was like, no, it, it, it doesn't yeah. matter what language it is. I want our languages to come yeah. through. You know, you're not only one part. You yeah. are Lango yeah. and it should come yeah. through. You should be proud of it. Yeah. And then her mom is a very big fan of Omara. Yeah. So I think that helped. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. my mom likes this guy. Let me see what he's about. Yeah. Um, and they hung out for a bit and I think she really, really liked him. Yeah. And he he made a huge effort to make sure that they get along. He would yeah. come over and he's like, if we don't rehearse, it's fine. Yeah. Let's just like talk. So we'd go for pizza dates. We'd go for ice cream dates. And then they really, really started to get along. So when they started to get along and they were very close to each other, then we introduced the script. Yeah. So then, you know, we'd start talking about the script in English and then back to Lango. And then at some point I was like, now I understand the energy. So even if I don't understand the language, I would like all rehearsals now to continue in Le Blango. Yeah. So f- at a certain point, we stopped the English yeah. stuff and we did only... Yeah. Yeah, the language stuff. And then, you know, when we were sure that she's comfortable, she's not struggling to remember lines because yeah. we didn't want to be like prompting her yeah, on set because exactly. that would like take her out yeah, of character. Yeah. And and I told them first of all like 
for me, film is very different from theater. On stage, people are like, don't improvise if you're not supposed to improvise. Yeah. Don't do improv where it's not supposed to be. Yeah. For me, during film, if the energy is right, I don't care if you change the line, yeah. the way it's written, yeah. as long as the essence the is the essence same. Yeah. So I told them, like, if, if a word is too rigid and it's giving you trouble, change it. Yeah. It's okay. I'm very happy with that. I will rewrite the script yeah. to suit you and how you, you know, your energy. I am so turned off yeah. by, like, great lines that are done badly, yes. you know, where people are like, well, they want to say it yeah. the way it's written, written. Mm. but then it's so stiff. You can tell, like, especially because, yeah. like, and that's why I have a problem with English. English, English is our second <laughs> language. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. people like say it and like, no, that's not how you say it. Yeah. But then if it doesn't come naturally to a person, yeah. that that's how you say yeah. a sentence. Well, yeah, you. then I don't want to correct them and say, this is how you say this. Yes. Like, it's, it seems wrong. So I'd rather they just say it the way it feels right to yeah. them. Yeah, no, yeah. I, no, I really liked, uh, especially the acting, because yeah, Nadia, as a child actor, I imagine it was a whole other proposition just to get her ready. But even yeah. for Daniel O'Mara, because we know him as a comedian, yeah. and we've seen him do a few things on TV, mm -hmm. but like I think this is like the best I had seen him by far in a movie. So we, Yeah, we were yeah. so happy. Like, the day we shot the death scene, they so first of all nadia was taking it so seriously and he was taking it seriously so the first time when he cried he cried just a little bit yeah. and then when we uncovered her she was like i'm not going back yeah. and we're just taking one wide yeah. shot and we're like why yeah. she's like i don't want to die yeah. oh my God. so we had to tell her like you're not dying yeah. and she's like no but look at him he's crying why is he yeah. crying if i'm not dying yeah. so she took off like time with her dad to go and like calm yeah, down. down so while she was off her brother came in and was like, is Nadia tired? Can I take over now? She, he was always trying to, to like, yeah, you know, get himself <laughs> into the film. film. <laughs> and, and then, you know, Omara started laughing. But while he was laughing, we realized there were so many heavy emotions that were like in him. Yes. And he tried to laugh and, tr and tried to crack some jokes mm. and he failed. Yeah. He oh cried. He cried for like an hour or yeah. two. And I was like, Ali, okay, let's just film it. Yeah. And in the end, it was like a lot. We couldn't use a lot of it because Ali was like, you're going to kill people's yeah. emotions. <laughs> no, you can't use all yeah. of this. He was like really, really crying. And we had to give them all a break for like two, three hours. Mm -hmm. We had only two days to shoot the film. And that was the first day yeah. we were like, it's okay, guys. Mm -hmm. The actors need time out. We can't rush this. Yeah. It was a delicate process, and we wanted to respect their process. Yeah. And even after that, Mara was like, I need a month. I need to be away. What have you done with my emotions? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, we tried to give them some alcohol and, like, barbecue, yeah. and it still didn't get all the emotions yeah. back to... And we're like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's part fine. of, you know, that process. And I think for him, it was a good thing to do as well because he discovered, like, a lot of emotions that he could bring to the surface yeah. that he didn't know... Yeah. You know could come so i was like very proud of him and very happy yeah. as a director i was like i know your emotions right now in yeah. a bad place but, <laughs> but i'm happy yeah, as a director that, that you, you got yeah. there no, because, yeah because again when i watched the film the first time at ingalavi i really saw it as very much nadia's story but then on re-watching it the second mm -hmm. time again i really tapped into Mara's story because he's lost his mom mm -hmm. he's a mm -hmm. single father he yeah. doesn't have a wife in the picture anything yeah. then he's lost his daughter so basically mm -hmm. all the women in his life mm -hmm. are basically not there mm -hmm. so 
it's very interesting that you also say he got very emotional in that yeah. sense. Because again, watching second time, I felt it was equally his story. It is. It, I'm actually glad you say that because yeah. for me, it's both their stories, yes. and they have very different points of yeah. of entry into it and how they look at it. Because mm-hmm. you know, for the girl, that the few things that she doesn't understand, yeah. even though she's claiming, like, yeah, grandma visits me in my mm-hmm. dreams. I'm going to be fine. We're yeah. gonna be with you. This guy. Yeah understands loss a little bit more because he he's lost his mom you know he 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 knows he hasn't been able to see her even though she visits you know the girl but at the same time the girl has some truths that he's unable to tap into as a diehard christian he cannot access that truth and also as an adult who's rigid and doesn't believe you know he would probably say that's a ghost blah 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 because of his upbringing but as a, a young person She's more receptive to the afterlife that's more cultural and more, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's, she's more likely to receive her grandma. So they, they're approaching this very differently. And I think they're both trying to make each other understand what's yeah. going on. But they're both, especially the adult person, like for Omara, it's, it's, it, the risk is too high for yeah. him because he's older. He understands, <laughs> you know, things differently. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wanted it to be clear that both of them, it's both their yeah. stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they experience this loss very differently. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's enough for me at this one. Heaven sounds boring. So just a few things on Django, which mm-hmm. honestly is my favorite. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now you've changed your mind. No, no. Mm. Like from the get-go, like when I watched all three, it was my favorite. It was you said Heaven sounds boring. Heaven sounds boring is still my favorite. Yeah, yeah. but Django, uh, it surprised me because mm-hmm. I'd seen Communion before I'd seen... Um, I hear that sounds boring at Ngalavi. Mm-hmm. So Django is the one I actually watched in preparation for this episode. Mm-hmm. And like it really shocked me because mm-hmm. again it says a lot of things about society and mm-hmm. women not feeling safe in public spaces. But mm-hmm. again it also creates this whole otherworldly experience which is something I didn't expect that again the tone shift you mentioned you were talking about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then going to this place and mm-hmm. meeting the witch and the idea of like having that freedom like mm. creating just for three hours they have this freedom to go out and mm. I don't know what was some was that part of uh, I don't know what were some of the re- inspirations like mm. just writing that mm-hmm. story for me it's mm. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in like how both feminist and anti-feminist it yes. is <laughs> because um, the idea of um, safety for women is like very important but also the idea of like generalizing and pushing all men Mm. into one little box is also very possible sometimes especially when you're feeling unsafe it's easy to attack the whole gender (laughs) until it 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 hurts you personally and for them it's you know it's their own dad and brother and it's like they're putting them in this whole bracket of we don't want men and it's easy to say that when you don't have a man that you care about yes. but if you have a man in your life that you care about then you think twice before you mention things like okay yeah. all men yeah. you know blah 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 yeah. so it was it came from that place of of wanting people to understand what it's like for a woman yeah. to feel so unsafe that even to just walk at night, night yeah. is such a luxury like it's such a yeah. It's a it's a privilege to walk at night and not yeah. feel safe. And some people would ask me like, when we were still in the process of production, like, shouldn't they do more? Shouldn't they do more than just walk out at night? Yeah. And I asked so many women, so many like, if you had the one chance to just walk out, and there's no man that's going to attack you, 
And all of them, like most of them would just have, like just the freedom of knowing I can walk at night. I used to love walking at night so much. I would go when there was still Cineplex at Garden oh, City. Yeah. would go for those late movies mm-hmm. with my girlfriends and then would walk at like midnight when there's no cars, no people and just walk home. Yeah. Now, one day, actually from Ascari, I don't know if you remember, I almost got killed when I was coming from shooting Ascari. No. Yes, I, I so your driver yeah. dropped me in somewhere in Machin, in Ruziga or something. Yeah. And then I realized it's the wrong gate. Oh, and I was <laughs> like, I can't call them back. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, I was so used to walking at night. It was like 3 a.m. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I can just walk back and retrace my steps and I'll find the right gate. And when I got to the main road, a guy just jumped out of the bushes and like torched me right in the face. God. And then he held my hand, yeah, and he was like, "Where are you coming from at this hour?" Yeah. And like, a call just went yeah. through me. I was like, "What the hell? Yeah. What am I going to do now?" I had to look for things to convince him yeah. that you know I'm I'm like waiting for someone. And he was like, "No, I'm going to teach you a lesson today." He was so serious. Yeah. And then I told him my brother was picking me up. And when I said that, there was a car that sort of came from like a distance. I was like, I think that's my brother. So I have to go. So he let my hand go. And I knew that wasn't my brother in the car. (laughs) So I ran. I've never run like that in my life. I ran so fast. And I was saved by this security guard. There was a supermarket nearby. It's on that Konge Road. So there was a supermarket that had a a Naskari outside. And he came out of, and he was armed. So he mm. came out to the road and he was like, what's wrong? Is it dogs? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, there's a guy. And I turned back and he was running down the street. Yeah. I remember after that day, I was like, and, and after that, that's when the, the whole femicide thing got yeah. really serious. Yeah. There were women, women. Yeah, yeah, dying and, and, and showing up in ditches. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. So the idea came from that. But I didn't want it to be like a victimizing story. So I wanted it to be this story of women taking charge of their lives Mm -hmm. and being like, we're in charge of the night. Because I'm so scared of nights. And I wanted a story that sort of redeems that and gives women some power, you know, over the night. Except, you know, of course, in this story, the witch tricks them and then, you know, has more power than them. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of like that story, but also without saying it's a one-sided story like you can have safety without um claiming the whole other gender needs to disappear yeah Yeah, no (laughs) that's that's very interesting and very sorry for that trauma you had to experience coming from was that after the first or second day of shooting i don't know i think the first i don't remember because if you had to come back after that and actually work then i you're, you're very strong. <laughs> no, I think at that point I didn't process yeah. it. I, I didn't process it. I went back, we worked, we finished, yeah. and I thought about it like later. Oh. Yeah. Let's proceed. Yeah, thanks. I think we've exhausted the films. Yeah. Unless. Okay, great. I think in this conversation, you've ended up talking a lot about the industry as well. Mm-hmm. And um, question I'd like to ask is about industry and financing. You've already mentioned a bit about it, but could you tell us about how? if you fund your films yourself and if you make any money back and if you have the potential to make any money back on the feature as well 
Um, I, I didn't mind so much that I wasn't making money mm -hmm. on the short films because, you know, um, as I've mentioned to like different people, for me it was part of learning. Um, and it was like a time that I took to learn like whatever I needed to learn for myself to gain whatever confidence I needed before my first feature. Um, so even the films that received a little bit of funding, it was not enough. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it just, we had to invest in a lot of our personal money with my co-producers and it would be a shame if that happened with a feature <laughs> because it takes so much time and so much energy. And it's still, I mean, funding is still a huge monster. I think that in this country, it's so hard to slay. Um, not everybody's lucky like Joel to get like 10k to write. Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's just so exhausting also, like even when you need very little money to finish um, a film, it takes so much, it takes so much. Um, but and it's exciting when you get some funding you know like uh, one of the films you know that for me that has been selected for um this development and production <coughs> slate for statement films and topic um i was telling a friend of mine how so relieving it is to just like receive money to create a deck mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and and create you know pitch documents you never do that you yeah. go through all, all of that. development like spending <laughs> your, your money yeah. that you will never get back yeah. so and for like uh the woman who poked the leopard i mean we've basically gone through development and production without grants our first grant was docubox which oh. was like oh my god finally we have a grant. like we had a lot of people you know giving our film attention and stuff but no one giving us actual money you know and going to the field and just like hustling and using all your personal money and your partner looking at you like do you know we have a family to run <laughs> and yeah so it's i really do hope that we that that part can improve yeah. Okay. Mm. So the woman who poked the leopard is the title <laughs> of the feature film. Which one? What's the feature film that's uh, coming soon? I have four. Coming. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> four yeah. feature films. Yeah. <laughs> two fiction films and two documentaries. Okay. Oh wow. wow. Yes, but the woman who poked the leopard is one of them. Yes. Yeah. That's a feature or? A, it's a feature documentary. Yes. Documentary. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, which one is coming out soonest? Soonest. It might be that or the stone that was moved, depending okay. on how things move. Yeah. Is the stone that was moved fiction? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Do you yes. mind giving a bit of like teasers, teasers. of the story? I can't say much because I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's been executive produced by somebody else. Yeah. I'm, I'm not putting yeah. in any of my money, yeah. so I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. But the, the general thing that's, I think, already out there is that it's 100 years from now. Mm -hmm. It's about a girl who goes to space and comes back, sort of time travels into a century after and finds Kampala very different. Yeah. And oh. so we explore a bit of that, of like everything that's lost, everything that's there, that's present, and what it means for her and her people in the future of, of her country. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Yeah, sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. and how about yeah. the woman who popped the leopard? I like no. that. Oh, that's the woman who walked the leopard, or that's the other one? 
This other one, the stone, yeah, that, the stone that was moved. That was moved. Yeah. yeah. So the woman who poked the leopard is about um, Stella Nyanzi. Okay. Um, and her journey as a woman activist but also as a mom who you know has a very lovely teenage kids that she's trying to raise while trying to to fight for her rights and the rights of very under privileged groups in Kampala yeah, yeah. that is great Okay, um, so to finalize, we're going to ask you some rapid fire questions just to get a <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> just to get a b- glimpse into what kind of films you like outside your own. <laughs> yes, so who's your favorite director? I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I swear. But um, recently, I just like love this guy Lemohang Masese from Litsutu. Okay. And his recent film, This Is Not a Barrier, It's a Resurrection. I have just seen that. I've seen images sense. of that. It was at one of the festivals and did so well. Yeah. I can't remember which. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a great film. It's a wonderful film. It's it's you know this old woman that that's in a lead role and she died soon after you know but it was like it was her last goodbye and it was like a beautiful beautiful um job um, that she did but even like the visuals like i think the dp did a great job and the whole the story it's it's so it reminds you of like the stories that were told from old it's so it's it carries so much weight and yet it's so visually compelling so Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's about these people that have been told they have to be moved. I mean, it's a story of every African, like there's a story like that in every African country. They have to be moved for a dam mm-hmm. and they have to move all their ancestors uh, and like exhume them exactly. and stuff. It's just like, I'm not going to move. I, my people are buried mm-hmm. here. And so it's like this struggle between her and the community that wants to get some money and move. And, mm-hmm. and you know, these developers that are coming in and, uh, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the last film you watched and enjoyed? Uh, Queen and Slim. Oh. <laughs> yes, yeah. I actually hadn't watched it since it came out. Yeah. So recently, I was like, oh, it's on Netflix now, so I can watch yeah. it. And then I watched it, and I was like, yeah, I understand why it created hype. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Especially from like a, a debut, you know, feature yeah, from uh, the director. Yeah. So I think it was really cool. Yeah, was and like I, I think you could tell that because a lot of, a film like that, like I think someone would try to make it like so entertaining and make yeah. it like very mm-hmm. um Bonnie and Clyde super Yeah, like super, you know, <laughs> like yeah, but it's not it's not too fast. You yeah. know, you feel like they give it the right pace, they make them people. They're not just yeah. like characters that are just like moving through music and stuff it's yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah. no it's, it's a great you so have any rapid fire no i think <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> okay we shall go with those two yeah, those two. yeah um i think this is it yeah Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Precious. This has been amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank for you. Yeah, yeah. It's been a great discussion, <laughs> especially the way you see your films. I find it very interesting. I think you're a very distinct filmmaker. Your style and again the themes you tackle in your films, I think they're very different. So yeah, it's a great discussion. I'd say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you too. Listen to her podcast, guys. 
wait up for her upcoming films. Yes. Yes. films? Yeah, can't wait for those. The podcast is Mbaganire. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and attend festivals and you'd be able to see her films, yeah. guys. These are the advantages <laughs> of going to And they'll also be out. I mean, uh, yeah. Ali's working on Awali TV. It's going to be a oh. streaming platform. Yeah. So all my other short films should be there. Yes. And that's that's how people yeah. can find them now. Yeah. yeah. watch yeah. this and want to find your films. They should yeah. Go to Awali, Awali and then Kiasi yes. also Kiasi has, has communion. Yes. yes. Then okay. the other two is like, okay, let's get them onto Awali TV and then we can get them onto Kiasi as well. Okay. So Wait are they coming? Currently on Awali? Yes, but it's not yet launched. It's not yet launched. Okay. Yes. Look out for Awali TV. We'll definitely plug the, the those. Plug those links when mm. when they do come out. All right. Sure. Yeah, but thank you so much. Um, this is it. This is our episode with Patience. Uh, this is Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon. I'm Timothy. Patience. Yeah. And bye-bye. Joel is behind that. No, 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 no. <laughs> People make films about themselves. What they want. What they love, what they fear most. Here we're nothing but props and their stories. I'm being insane.